When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark uh, back in studio as uh, we gear up for signing day tomorrow. It is signing day eve for the early signing session in uh, Nebraska. A flurry of activity to tell you about here when it comes to defensive back and special teams. We'll get there. We'll uh, spend a few minutes here with Mitch Sherman uh, this first hour from The Athletic and uh, plenty to dive into with Rick Kaczynski talking recruiting trail and his experience. You can join us today on Hale Varsity. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers to dial up. can also... Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. You can follow Connor on Twitter as well uh, at C underscore Clark underscore 27 for Connor Clark. The email, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So, Connor, you're, uh, you're a little bit just out of high school. I know you had a signing day ceremony for what uh, broadcasting you were going to enroll in. Uh, Nebraska won the day. Uh, you always rock Adidas gear, even though you're, what is that on? You got a little Nike gear going today. The, the long and short is you saw and, and were shown enough love from Nebraska that it was, it was big red or nothing for you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair. I, w- I would like to uh, say I have a 24-7 sports page, but that's just not reality. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, Nebraska did win the day because, after all, here we are. So We are, and uh, a lot to tell you about uh, Brian Buschini, the national punter of the year at the FCS level from Montana, is going to be kicking the football for the Big Red. Listen, crack a beer. Crack a beer at 406 uh, Central time if you're a Nebraska football fan because uh, the research was done, the priority was made, and they said we got to go find us a kicker in the Big Ten, specifically a punter. So Nebraska able to get uh, Bushini. That's uh, nice. Deshaun Singleton, six foot three defensive back. He's done corner and uh, he's done safety at the JUCO level. Uh, that out of uh, the uh, JUCO ranks, uh, Hutch Community College. You, you know that well if you're a Levante David fan. So uh, Deshaun Singleton is in. That's nice. And if you're Nebraska, you're also uh, trying to close here uh, when it comes to a couple of options. Uh, of course, 
Uh, Emmett, the running back, is is a name that we're interested in tomorrow. If you're a Nebraska football fan, uh, you have uh, Jaden Gould. He's a, a stud defensive back out of Bergen Catholic. I really like uh, New Jersey football players. They are tough. They're blue collar. And uh, Gould is uh, 6'2 corner. And uh, right now, you look at some of the projections from your friends at 24-7 and Rivals. Uh, it looks like Gould and Nebraska leading the way. And some of the uh, the peer recruiting is kind of a wow moment here with Arkansas. Uh, they've had a really good year. Arizona State has done really well uh, all over the nation recruiting with Herm. Alabama's Alabama. Uh, Bama has nine cornerbacks on their roster and two commits currently. Penn State has been good with their secondary. They have 13 corners on their roster and just one commit. And, of course, with Nebraska, Travis Fisher doing great work. Nebraska leading the way right now, 24 or less than 24 hours away with uh, Jaden Gould. That would be nice. Emmett Johnson, the running back out out of Minnesota, incredible senior film. Uh, Nebraska wants to add there. Where else can Nebraska go? What else do they need to do uh, with uh, signing day? And Connor, it, it comes down to quarterback as well. You need a uh, you need a portal quarterback because you've got uh, Torres, your your high school quarterback, that's going to be part of this class. He'll sign tomorrow with Nebraska, uh, barring any unforeseen flippage. And I don't think that's an issue with Torres. But the, the portal domino really kind of fell uh, not long ago uh, last night. Kind of a surprise move with Spencer Rattler. He has not been eating Runza with you. Uh, he has been enjoying the coastline of, of South Carolina in Columbia. I, I assume there's ocean near Columbia. Never been to Columbia, South Carolina. But Rattler is, is off to South Carolina with his tight end. And uh, that's the, the first domino to fall. Where's it going to happen with the rest of the portal quarterbacks that are there? Because it feels like there's a, a portal quarterback or three per day here, Connor, that uh, seems to, to make their move or, or throw their hat into the ring. But it still sounds like Nebraska in hot pursuit here um, when it comes to, to Miles and, and where he can end up uh, with Nebraska in this offense. But pretty shocked that Rattler went to – to South Carolina on one hand and really not that shocked at all with, with Coach Beamer there because of their relationship when he was working at Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge move for South Carolina too because that's a team that's up and coming, especially in the SEC. They haven't been the greatest. And they put together a 6-6 six and six season this year, and that's good enough for a bowl game, obviously. And adding Spencer Rattler and his tight end from Oklahoma, so you already have that chemistry there, that is – a home run that's a it's a cannonball in the swimming pool on a hot summer day that's what that is great get by south carolina uh michael Penix out of indiana is also transferred as well i don't remember where but um he's he's he, now at washington that's right okay that's right he's so, been teamed up with uh with uh kaylin DeBoer, the former coach at, at indiana mm-hmm. that was there before he Got the gig because he, DeBoer was at the University of Sioux Falls and, and like lost two games in 20 years there, right? He'd come down and, and play Nebraska Westland every year. He was coming to Lincoln, you know, 10, 12 years ago when we were doing Westland games. And long and short is 
he kind of wowed uh, Coach Tedford. He got uh, a gig at Fresno State calling plays for Tedford, got hired away by Coach Allen, and, and Andy in, in Indiana was, was wow, big-time wow. Uh, with uh, with DeBoer and his offensive system. Then he gets hired away to head coach Fresno State and then now makes the jump to Washington. So there's that past relationship with Penix. And it's too bad he was hurt because he was a lot of fun to watch. We don't know where Adrian's uh, officially going to land yet, but it, it feels and it sounds like Kansas State. And, uh, you know, we'll see if Nebraska can land Brennan. So here's what I'm, I'm banking on tomorrow. And, and Nebraska will have a press conference tomorrow at 2 o'clock with Coach Frost. We'll have coverage of that with you uh, at Hale Varsio. And, uh, of course, you'll get a chance to hear from some of the new coaches, too. Coach Joseph, Coach Riola, and, uh, and, and uh, the Whippet offense, uh, Coach Whipple. So that is in store tomorrow. But I'm, I'm halfway expecting a kind of a, a, a nice torrid close with uh, Coach Joseph. I think that's a, a big-time possibility with uh, Coach Joseph and, and just some of his connections. There, Nebraska could lose a couple of guys. Nebraska could absolutely gain a couple of guys. And one guy to watch is, uh, you know, the all-name team wideout from Louisiana, DeColdest Crawford. What's his plan? Well, we won't know tomorrow, but he did decommit from LSU last week. The Green Oaks wideout uh, deciding to sign Friday at 10. So Crawford right now is not part of LSU anymore. But he is looking at Texas. He is looking at Florida. He is looking at Auburn. And can Mickey Joseph land the coldest Crawford to Nebraska, Nebraska making, making the final four for Crawford. He'll sign on Friday at 10 a.m. So there is that news. The news you need to know with Nebraska kicker check with, with Timmy Bleak Road yesterday. Uh, you've got your punter in uh, Bushidi and uh, you've got your kickoff guy, your punt return guy in Hartzog. So some work done by Nebraska on the special teams front. And I honestly believe that the coach Joseph can pull some magic here in the, uh, in the next 24 hours. He's been working hard. Uh, and what can Nebraska do last name before we get to some bigger picture topics, when it comes to Travion citizen, the number two running back in the country, uh, LSU, Texas, Texas, A&M, Nebraska, is in that list. That will happen February. Travion Citizen going to wait till February. You're caught up on recruiting. So the question now is this, how much bigger can Nebraska's high school uh, class get? Uh, We look at 10 commitments for Nebraska for 2022. Uh, No more Ashton Hayes. Uh, Nebraska right now is still in that 13 to 16 window. And uh, how many more uh, will be joining beyond the 10? And uh, Emmett Johnson is a guy that we want to repeat is, is a senior film dude. And, and think of some guys that have had great senior film in Nebraska football history. Not when they're wearing the end, but senior film before they got to Lincoln. And Coach Gilmore uh, was part of Bo's staff and was part of Callahan's staff as well. Ted Gilmore was pretty notorious for senior film, 
and that worked out real well in the form of Quincy Inunua and Kenny Bell. Those are those are two success stories with senior film, uh, and and obviously, um, you have Emmett Johnson's senior film is is incredible. That if we're doing the Pepsi Challenge, I'll do I'll I'll do respect to Ashton Hayes, but but I like Emmett Johnson coming from Big Ten country uh, better than uh, a, a guy from Reno, and it just feels like fits better for Hayes out at Cal. Uh, Jaden Gould will make his announcement tomorrow right when we kick off the show uh, at 4 o'clock. Not with us, unless Elijah pulls a rabbit out of his hat. But uh, maybe you you could see three more high schoolers is where I'm going. Portal and Juco, Tony Hill's another uh, addition uh, when it comes to the portal from Arizona State. Juco, uh, you got... Um, um, a couple of offensive linemen, but this is this is new. And when we talk about the impact the new coaches, listen, ninety percent of the coaching search is complete. You have Donovan Raiola, that's new b- back in the college scene. Mark Whipple has uh, the Blitnikoff winner at Pitt that he coached, and uh, Mark. Whipple has the the top quarterback in Pickett that's going to go probably eighth overall to Carolina in the upcoming NFL draft. So those are two nice advertisements for Nebraska. It's been a good mix and blend, Connor, of portal, of high school, and quite honestly, some JUCO could uh, could pave the way as well. You can't miss. You got to hit on them, and uh, you're, you're going to need about seven to ten guys to step up and play at a high level. We're pretty anxious to talk with Coach Kaczynski about uh, getting it right and finding that guy in Randy Gregory that can come help transform. Can Nebraska find that transformer, so to speak, at quarterback uh, with this uh, with this class, with the portal? Uh, there'll probably be some surprises, but I think you're going to have some momentum continue tomorrow because of Mickey Joseph, because of Coach Mark Whipple. And I think that'll pay off. That'll pay off uh, if these guys can settle in and and produce next year. And, and I think they can. They have they'll have an opportunity to do so. But they can also get some some instant offense, some impact guys right now. And it's it's really pretty uh, cut and dry right now. Pretty cut and dry right now for Nebraska to uh, figure it out in the red zone. And I think Whipple can do that. Uh, Derek Peterson nailed it with, listen, you look at yards uh, between Nebraska's offense under Frost and what Whipple did at, at, at Pitt, you're talking about 14 points more a game that has been the difference. Pitt's better in the red zone. And Connor, you got to find that quarterback and nail it down. Yeah, I've, we've talked about it all year too, how Nebraska's been really good in between the 20s. Hopefully Mark Whipple can take this offense to that next step. I'm also very interested to see how transfers from FCS schools and JUCO can really transfer over to the Big Ten game because we've seen guys who can do it, such as Samari Toure, and we we see guys who transfer in who have a big story, but then they really never pan out. So how is this going to work out for a newer coaching staff under Scott Frost, and how is that development going to play into this program because development is something that we've seen Nebraska struggle with a lot so far um, and once again Mark Whipple can he bring this offense to that next level can Nebraska score in the red zone can they be efficient in the red zone even with a new quarterback at the helm 
it'll be interesting to see. Tomorrow's going to be a big day for Nebraska, obviously, and for the rest of the country. But it's going to be a big day for the Huskers, and and let's see what Mickey Joseph can can pull out of his hat. Well, and some of those portal quarterbacks uh, we're keeping an eye on here. Uh, Dylan Gabriel uh, is kicking the tires. You don't know if uh, Dorian Thompson-Green is on his way out. Uh, of UCLA, you know, Matt Corral's off to the NFL. Uh, so that's uh, important. A uh, recent comment here by Trev Alberts on Twitter. We'll check in with Mitch Sherman about this. Uh, and uh, the statement is this. I'm aware of recent public speculation regarding our men's basketball program. Our compliance staff has been in communication with the NCAA today and was told there's no active or pending investigation into our men's basketball program. Coach Hoiberg and I have talked, and he's assured me his program is compliant within the NCAA rules. We'll get more with this on Mitch Sherman as Hale Varsity continues. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark will. Get caught up with Rick Kaczynski next hour. Excited to spend some time here with the Athletics' Mitch Sherman, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, you got your uh, your ink pen ready to sign on the dotted line tomorrow? Mitch, do we have you? I think you need to probably take uh, things out of audition for him because he's not hearing us. All right, we'll get that. Fixed. I'm hearing you now. I had oh. loud music in the background before, That's but I'm exactly. good Exactly. Uh, Connor was, was rocking out. Uh, so, Mitch, my question to you, I'll repeat it. Do you have the, uh, the, the, the pen in hand? Are you ready for the dotted line tomorrow? Yeah, I'm signing my letter of intent, uh, but I haven't decided where yet, so um, people are going to have to uh, wait another day. Every year, it's a, it's a tough decision. You are you are just playing games. I love it. Mitch, let's get into Trev Alberts. His uh, tweet moments ago and an email out from Nebraska's Sports Information. And I'm going to reread it because we are up against a break and I kind of sped through it. But here's Trev. I'm aware of recent public speculation regarding our men's basketball program. Our compliance staff has been in communication with the NCAA today and was told there's no active or pending investigation into our basketball, our men's basketball program. Coach Hoiberg and I have talked, and he was assured, he has assured me his program is compliant with NCAA rules. That's the word from Trev Alberts. Mitch, like the worst-kept secret in the state is, uh-oh, something's up with Nebraska basketball. What's your reaction to Trev's statement? 
Well, um, yeah, it's tough. I don't really know how to react to that um, because there was nothing. There was nothing, you know, other than rumors and speculation in the first place, and that's not necessarily something that, um, you know, I'm sitting here uh, addressing in this in this forum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can certainly I can certainly confirm that I've heard rumors, uh, <laughs> and you know, all kinds of them. Some of which almost certainly are not true, and and the fact that Alberts has now come out and and made a statement, um, it would lead you to believe that he's confident in what he's saying. You know, beyond just, uh, I don't think the, I don't think he's playing word games here. I don't I don't think that you're necessarily going to, uh, you know, get a, a a bombshell of a report or you know the opening of an investigation uh, this week or next week. And, and have him say, "Well, I was, I was, uh, I, w- I was telling the truth there on December 14th because there was nothing going on then." If if that's the case, and you know he suspects that something's about to happen, you probably don't put out that statement today. So, um, you know, it would lead me to believe that he he feels like uh, things are okay with his program, other than the consecutive uh, 30 point losses that they've uh, suffered here in the last couple of weeks. I, I don't know, Chris. I mean, it, it, maybe there's. Maybe there's nothing going on, but um, you know, there's been a lot of noise here in the last, uh, especially the last 24 hours, for uh, for all to be good. There, there's lots of noise and lots of smoke, Mitch, with some uh, some impending or alleged doom with this basketball program. Back to your point, um, yeah, off the court, per Trev Alberts, things are okay. On the court, they're not. They're off this week for finals. K-State comes to town on Sunday. Let's stick with basketball before we get to signing day. And they've just seemed out of sorts since that double overtime or quadruple overtime, uh, you know, thriller against NC State. They've just been uh, poor from from distance from downtown. Uh, There's been uh, iffy communication. And there's been no Matt Abdelmassi obviously taking a leave. So can can Fred get this thing turned around or at least competitive because he looks just kind of blindsided by by what's been going on with his guys. Yeah, you sound like you're talking to me from about a football field away. So um I didn't really hear that. Um but I I know Chris uh I kind of got the gist of what you're talking mm-hmm. about um with uh with Hoiberg and, and 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 what's happening on the court obviously it's not been good um these last couple of games and whether he's got you know problems uh, with his program off the court or, or not um there are plenty of problems on the court for for Nebraska basketball to uh, to deal with you know Fred definitely has his his hands full um you know with with um, with what he's seen in these past couple of games and the schedule obviously doesn't get any easier here um after this time off this week, you know, they're going to, they're going to play um, another power five opponent in Kansas state in the non-conference and, and then pretty quickly here, get into the teeth of big 10 play. Um, this is not what, what he expected in year three. It's not what uh, Nebraska fans expected. I don't think it's what the administration and Trev Alberts who's just been on the job for a few months expected from this team. It, it was supposed to turn a corner here because of, um, you know, not having dealt with the same issues that were in play a year ago when the team hardly practiced together um, because of the pandemic. Um, it's a more talented group. They've obviously got the five-star 
um, freshman in Bryce McGowan's. Um, you know, the injury to to Trey, his brother, was difficult. But, you know, those things happen in the course of the season, and he'll be back. And, and there's other talent around those guys. So it's just, um, it's just um, you know, perplexing. Um, it's, uh, I'm sure, really difficult to be uh, there on the coaching side right now and see the team play um, and respond to adversity the way it has in these past couple of games out. After – after what I thought were, were 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 not bad performances against NC State and Indiana in the in the in the two games prior, at least at least parts of those games were um, you know were showing signs of, of Nebraska moving in the right direction. Mitch Sherman's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch going to get into to signing day tomorrow, and what's your feel with Nebraska and some of the impact their new coaches can make? Uh, Mark Whipple uh, in the portal, uh, and, uh, of course, Mickey Joseph on the trail. How do you think Nebraska closes tomorrow for kind of a a, a hybrid class of high school, JUCO, and portal? Yeah, I mean, it's a much different kind of class than what we've seen at Nebraska really ever. And, you know, part of that is because that's the trend nationally with the way that transfers work today. You just – you know, you're going to rely on those guys more. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, I think, for the high school players, um, and especially in this, this, this case with Nebraska. Um, it's just so many different things have happened with this class that have, that have turned it in this direction. You know, it started with uh, the Huskers losing out on, on a number of, of four, you know, the, the number is four, but four top players from the Omaha Metro, um, you know, who, who all would have looked good in, in a Nebraska uniform and, and are headed to other Power 5 schools. It just kind of set this this class back, and and um, you know you didn't have the ability to build around those guys like Nebraska did a year ago with with the um, the local guys like Teddy Prohaska and Thomas Fedoni and Heinrich Harburg and others, um, and they've had to scrap this thing together. And then the numbers were were, were messed up um, because of the pandemic and having just eight seniors on scholarship, and you know several of those guys weren't even counting against the eighty five because they were sixth year players. So you you know you were you you just were really in a strange position. Um, but, but, you know, one point that, that you know, I, I, I'd like to make is, as signing day gets here, I think there's a narrative out there um, in some corners of the Nebraska football uh, sphere that, um, you know, hey, recruiting is not important anymore in, in today's uh, age of, uh, of transfers. And, you know, this is all going to happen through the portal and guys are going to leave anyway. So, you know, why worry about signing the best players? Um, you know, these are conversations that are not necessarily being had. Um, at your traditional top programs, um, you know, Texas A&M tomorrow where they're signing four or five, five-star players, you know, recruiting is as important as it's ever been. Um, and at the, at the programs that are playing in the, in the New Year's six games and in, in the college football playoff, um, you know, the, the lifeblood of, of creating those programs and getting them, them to where, where they want to be um, is, is signing players out of high school. Yes, you're not going to keep everybody. Um, and more guys are going to transfer than have before. Um, but all those coaches, and I know the Nebraska coaches too, they want to have the opportunity to coach the best guys out of high school. So I don't think there's a real great way to spin um, this class that Nebraska is signing tomorrow, which, which ranks last in the Big Ten, you know, as anything but a disappointment um, because of the players that they've missed out on. And, and you know, it, it, it's been somewhat of a, um, of a lost year in recruiting. And that's not to knock the players who are signing. You know, they may, they may take these guys and develop them and turn them into good players, but it's not the typical class that Nebraska has signed. They've, they've been in the top four in the Big Ten in seven out of the last in seven out of ten years in this league, and they're 14th right now. So they can make up some of that with, with work that they do uh, through the portal, and they're doing that. Um, you know, great work in, in, in with the specialists 
and getting uh, a punter today, Brian Buschini from mm-hmm. Montana, um, and getting a kicker, uh, Timmy Bleakroad uh, from Furman. I had the chance to talk to both of those guys today, and you know I think they're going to be good fits at Nebraska just with the uh, the temperament and, and the, the understanding of the importance of special teams that those guys obviously have. Um, Nebraska putting both of those guys on scholarship when it already has a scholarship punter in Lincoln, you know, shows a real commitment uh, to special teams, and that's that's a music to the to the ears uh, of Nebraska fans. Um, and, you know, having an offensive lineman committed through the portal, um, a DB uh, com- committed through the portal, uh, Tommy Hill from from Arizona State, who was a four-star recruit last year, a JUCO player um, who's a, another DB, a, a big. Six foot three safety um, from Hutchinson um, committed today. These are all good things, and this needs to continue for Nebraska to uh, to make up for some of the ground that it lost because of this the the, the, the um, you know the negative momentum with this 2022 recruiting class. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch, couple of minutes before we let you go, and thanks for taking time. If you were in the head coach's position, would you about a minute here? turn more attention and energy towards guys in the portal or would you still kind of base uh, things around high school for the development angle? How would you try and attack things uh, if you were in charge of recruiting? Well, you got to balance it. I mean, I think you got to have to go after high school players and it has to be the, uh, you know, the foundation of your program. If you're in Nebraska and you're going to develop guys and you're going to be a developmental program at, and you know, that's, that's, that's what Nebraska is. It, it, uh, it can be like, like Iowa and Wisconsin and develop players and take guys as freshmen and, and you know, have them three, four, five years in the program and, and turn them into outstanding players. There are some guys who, who can break that mold and who can be impact players in their first and second year, but Nebraska has to do work with high school players, and I don't think that, that ever changes. The portal is a, is a, is a new part of it. Um, and you know, you're always, I think in, in this day of college football, you, you want to get guys – to fill holes that, that you need. When there are injuries, when there are things that are unexpected, you look to the portal to help you there. Mitch, we'll let you be. We'll see you tomorrow at the presser. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks, Chris. There he is, Mitch Sherman with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. And uh, we'll have some more thoughts here on Trev Albert's statement here about Nebraska basketball. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark. Rick Kaczynski, 20 minutes away. We'll give you a chance at a Jet Splash car wash gift certificate uh, $25 gift card uh, coming up here before five Rick Kaczynski uh, is next hour and then John D. Lucas he is a historian he's a filmmaker and he has a book out on Bino Cook Bino is one of my favorite guests over the years Bino passed away about nine years ago but every August Bino would come on the show we talk Nebraska we talk college football 
and he would have me mail him the season over-unders for about seven to eight different uh, college football programs because Bino would always tell me the only people who don't bet football are in the cemetery. Lieutenant Colombo. Uh, Let's talk about Trev Alberts, his statement. I'm aware of recent public speculation regarding our men's basketball program. Our compliance staff has been in communication with the NCAA today and was told there is no active or pending investigation into our men's basketball program. Coach Hoiberg and I have talked, and he has assured me his program is compliant with the NCAA rules. So there's that from Trev. And some of the responses are funny. I'm even tagged in one of these from our friend uh, Rock Westfall. Any word on when Bill Self will be taking over uh, as coach? You've got some guy doing horns down. You have another person responding. Thank you, Trev. Alex chimes in and says, whatever happened, it didn't work. We can't even cheat, bro. And then there's there's a lot of if if what 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 the uh, the response was about if whatever was happening wasn't working. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm, you've heard something from your you know your friends, uncles, brothers, nephews, cousins, dogs, divorced friend, right? You you you've heard something. I've heard something, and. It wasn't good about Nebraska basketball. It wasn't good about Nebraska basketball with uh, the way things have gone on the court with getting whacked by 30 on national TV, on ESPN2, 1030 on a non-college football Saturday. The week before, or the game before, forgive me, getting annihilated at home by Michigan on ESPN2. You have all of these transfers. You have all of these high-profile, and I'm going to say recycled, and that's not disrespectful. I can't make a layup. But you've got high-level dudes that are are supposed to be here to be spot-up assassins, okay, with the offense you want to run. You've got a five-star who's talented, who's scoring a lot of points, but there's definitely a transition that that is happening from a strength and maturity and a body type standpoint. And and you know what, McGowan's is a hell of a ball player. Uh, his brother's not here. That hurts this basketball team. There's no monster inside to, to patrol the paint, and guys aren't hitting open shots. So what's going on? Not Abdel Massey's on a medical leave. That was the statement anyway. So you've got all of this going on. You've got a bunch of smoke, and everyone and anyone's reaching out to somebody they know who's friends of the program, wondering what's going on. And yeah, there was supposed to be something coming down the pike about this basketball program directed at a former assistant who's on leave now. And we're all just kind of waiting. And Trev Albert says, listen, man, I I hear it in my office. There's nothing going on. There's nothing currently or pending. If that's the case, good. 
but be better. Whether there's something going on or not, it's maddening that this basketball team's been annihilated by 30 with an infusion of air quote talent that can't get it done right now. Season isn't over. And I feel bad for Fred. Totally do. Feel bad for his assistants that are still there. Totally do. Because there was so much hype and excitement. And then there's this reality where, where are we at right now? Do they win two Big Ten games? Maybe. Are they going to finish the season praying to get to double digits? I know they're, what are they, five and six? That's five more wins to get to double digits. I mean, you've been, they've been as bad as I've seen for a long, long time. And there were some underachieving years that's a different bad where you've got an NCAA tournament team, you return everyone, and you, you go 13 and 18. If, if, if Fred is able to, to get guys to kind of rebound and be competitive, and if, if Fred's able to see next year, Let's just talk wins and losses, okay? Let's just talk wins and losses. If Fred's able to see next year, you need to to recalibrate your plan where it's not an issue if you go after a transfer or two. That's fine. But can you live in that neighborhood? And I know that's what worked when you got the Palmers of the world or the Copelands of the world or the Petaways of the world, right? I mean, it, it happened. It worked but it was still just from a chemistry standpoint, a nightmare for, for consecutive consistent years. And they have done some high school things. They brought some high school kids in, but man, it, it's just a, a double whammy where you have, you've got this area talent that's generational that you've not been able to at least land one of the kids Chucky's going to go rip it up at Wisconsin for four years and kill you for four years. Hunter's going to be in the the Elite Eight for, for two to three years, theoretically. Trout's going to go to the ACC. So it's that that wears on Nebraska fans. The the offense is is wearing on Nebraska fans. And then this rumor out there about are things happening above board, Trev says they are. Trev doesn't jump on Twitter and put this statement out. But there's been enough noise that his ears hurt today about what's coming down the pike. And any sports fan you bump into or any media member you may or may not know, we've all heard the same three or four or five different things. But as of now, things are cool with Trev. And it's it's Fred's job to get these guys to play smarter, harder, and together. And we'll see if a week off for finals can be that catalyst. Time away, right? See if it can be that catalyst for these guys to come out and and turn it around, for the love of God, against Kansas State on Sunday. So Trev has spoken. uh, Trev's a straight shooter. He's a look you in the eye, shake your hand type dude and that for now is great news about nebraska basketball that there's nothing pending 
Uh, we'll wind down our one at Tale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. What final time this hour? It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark. Coming up, we'll talk some recruiting and uh, strategy with Rick Kaczynski. How do you get the uh, most out of your opportunity? High school portal and JUCO. Kaz coming up next hour. And, uh, of course, John D. Lucas, uh, historian, author, filmmaker. His book out, uh, Haven't They Suffered Enough? The uh, Life and Times of Bino Cook. A uh, reminder here about buckling up. Uh, one of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances? If you drink, don't drive. And a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We were talking quarterbacks and portal uh, a little bit ago because that's going to be pretty big time and key for Nebraska. Matt emails in and uh, says the following, we need some serious answers. What is the university doing to stay competitive with other schools' NIL deals? It's being reported Texas has a nonprofit called uh, Horns for Hearts or something like that, giving fifty grand per scholarship, O-line player per year, and calling it the Pan- Pancake Club. Ole Miss has set aside $2.5 million of football money per year to pay out to the football players that achieve academic excellence, which I assume is anyone who stays eligible to play. BYU's got the health club thing that's going, paying 100% of all the walk-on players tuition just to advertise on their social media, and that's just scratching the surface. Don't forget about Miami and the gym membership. Uh, But Matt says, I'd love to hear an entire show just on what we're doing at Nebraska and what else are we competing against. Thanks and have a great day. You know, that's uh, interesting. We'll have to reach out to our old buddy Blake Lawrence uh, and open doors. But I have no doubt Nebraska has the wheels turning for NIL. Uh, You have Lexi's son that, uh, I mean, Borsheim's was a pretty good deal (laughs) for her, right? Uh, Adrian Martinez had his... Uh, his setups with degree. But, yeah, Nebraska can do bigger and better. And, of course, you have Bruning and uh, Jared Lembrecht uh, that have their NIL company. So there's plenty of opportunity uh, for Nebraska. Now, Nebraska can't be going 4-8, and 5-7, and seven, and 3-9. and nine. I know green is green. I know money is money. But you, you, you need to be winning a little bit more or a lot more to attract some of the better prospects. You're not even getting and keeping your own in-state kids that are good enough to go to Oregon, for God's sake. So that that is task one, just win, get to a bowl game, play in late December or January. We'll uh, check in with Kaz in a minute. Uh, what do you say we uh, do a Jet Splash giveaway right now, Connor? You, you feeling that? That's fine with me. All right, Collar 5 right now, a $25 gift card to Jet Splash Car Wash. Collar 5, Santa Connor will hook you up with Hale Varsity. Collar 5, 
Right now at 466-3776-466-3776 or 800-825-5865. Collar 5 now, a Jet Splash gift card for you with Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Another Tuesday with Kaz, longtime coach Nebraska and Iowa. Kaz, uh, what's this time of year do for you, man? Early signing day tomorrow. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting here. Nebraska has been going uh, quite a bit to the to the JUCO route, specifically with special teams, and uh, they're looking at some portal help. Uh, we'll dive into some recruiting. How's the How's the weekend, man? What'd you do? Yeah, had a hoop game. Had a hoop game. So, uh, just, uh, you know, 10-year-old basketball. Literally, 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. Can you believe this? So That's uh, how it it's is. Just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. I guess it's a good thing. Um, you know, on the positive side, there's that many games. You got that many kids playing, which is uh, a rarity these days. You know, having kids playing organized sports. I say, I guess that's the good thing, but... Uh, yeah, we got the short end. We actually have a Tuesday night 9:15 game next uh, next Tuesday, believe it or not. So, uh, pretty <laughs> I think my high school games. I think we had one to start at six, and then the second one was at uh, was at 7:45. If I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, but uh, we got some 10 and 11 year olds tipping it off 9:15 on Tuesday. So, Kaz, it's prime do, time, man? brother. Yeah, yeah, prime time, man. All, all, uh, all eight of us, all eight of us parents uh, went down one. Went down one. We had one get kicked out a couple, a uh, couple games ago. So uh, wasn't me, though. Schmidt Rock. I'm the, I'm the calming, I'm the calming voice. Believe it or not. So, was, uh, but uh, was it warranted? A hundred percent. What happened? Officially, it's just, just ridiculous. Just the officials not even running down the court. Guys calling other guys' calls. You know, guy mm-hmm. underneath the hoop, he's not calling anything. The guy who hadn't crossed half court yet, he's calling, uh, you know, over the backs on the board. So, so I came with uh, just the typical, hey, you know, talking to my son, hey, Victor, you can't let, can't let that guy bother you. He never played the game. He doesn't get it. So, you know, I wasn't talking to the officials, ready. I was talking to the <laughs> talking to my son. But uh, that was it. But we had a uh, we had a, we had a rowdy parent. Get a little drop a couple bombs on him. So gotta gotta say, I enjoyed it. I'm glad it wasn't me, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the ten-year-old uh, hoop drama. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, a Tuesday with Kaz. Well, Kaz, you ha- you haven't lived till you get the the nine a.m. 
and then the uh, the eight thirty p.m. and then you've got a whole <laughs> day between. <laughs> yeah. You get the twofer out of Saturday. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah. We'll have to miss one of those if we go through that. So, well, hey, we're a travel ball track, so I'm not, uh, I'm not immune. So my daughter runs track, so I, I've sat through, sat through a few of those in the in the in the South Carolina heat here over the summer. But hey, what are you gonna do, man? Better than playing video games, right? That exactly. They're they're not at home uh, being keyboard warriors, right? <laughs> That's right. Not not on uh, message boards following uh, 16, 17-year-olds around either, Facebooking them. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> Let's spend some time on recruiting. Uh, this is the, the last year potentially for the early signing period with the uh, portal explosion. We'll see if they move things back to, to January. But, Kaz, what's your take on this? Should they move it back? Do you like two signing periods? Would you prefer one in – January, maybe you move the February one up, and then you have a second one in summer. If you were football czar, how would you do this, the uh, the signing day, and uh, and also kind of deal with the portal? Yeah, well, I think uh, you know a couple things with it, Schmidt. I think before the the transfer portal came into um, into effect, I think the early signing date was uh, was a good thing because you know you had. You had, uh, uh, you know, the dead periods. You had a long period of time with kids over Christmas and New Year's. And then if, you know, if you played in a, a January bowl game, uh, you, you know, and we played one year in, in I think we played the, the 6th of January one year at, uh, at Iowa. And, you know, you get back and you're back right back on the road and you're trying to, uh, trying to recruit kids all over again that, hey, we're solid commits in December. So I think that part of it was, was really good of it uh was good for it where hey a kid uh, you know it helped the coaches um a lot more that way during that dead period in january and let me tell you the tuesday and the wednesday morning assigning day was a lot it, i'm sure is a lot more stress-free than that now the transfer portal comes in you know not only not only are you recruiting high school kids you know hoping you get them to signing day but now you're hoping to, to keep the kids on your roster you know, the, that, that's, that's what's extremely important right now, in my opinion. And I think when you look at the high school offers, there's less and less and less high school offers going out these days. Um, you know, this transfer portal just, I, I really think, changed everything. I think the early signing day, I think that was a good thing before the portal, but not, not now. Obviously, it's, it's not good for, for coaches getting fired, you know, during the season. I think that's why you see it. You, you, you got coaches – uh, getting fired earlier now. Uh, you got people trying to get staffs in place before that first signing day. So um, I think there was a lot of things that people didn't think of, and a lot of it's caused by caused by the portal. I'm not saying the portal is a bad thing or a good thing, but uh, mm-hmm. I think you know we're learning as as we go along right now. But I'm I'm glad I didn't have to deal with the portal, and I'm I'm glad I didn't have to deal with the. Well, I would have liked the early side of the day with, with, without a portal. But, you know, I think the biggest concern talking to the guys that, that, I, that I coached with and the guys that I know in the profession, you know, they're, they're so concerned about keeping the guys on their roster, you know, especially these young guys that don't play right away. Um, and, you know, these guys that you recruit so hard. I mean, recruiting, you have more contact now than you ever had before through social media, through Instagram, 
through Facebook, through Twitter, all those things. Um, and these kids at an earlier and earlier age are, um, you know, are, are being told how great they are and all that. Then they come on campus and then, you know, they don't play right away. Oh, I'll just go take the, uh, you know, I'll go somewhere else where, where I'm more liked or I'll go, go, uh, go give this coach a call that recruited me and really likes me and I can go play there a lot faster than I can hear. And, you know, I just, I just, uh, I just don't think it's good for the game. But it, it's a ball that you're not gonna, you're not gonna stop rolling right now, unfortunately. And I don't think, you know, I think a couple negatives of it is obviously what you saw. Um, you had, you had student athletes that were recruited and coached by guys that got fired with four games left, and that, and Nebraska's not the only place that that happened. And uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, you got teams, you got teams that. Um, are going to be replacing coaches a heck of a lot sooner, and you're going to have kids checking out a, of a lot sooner. That's that's my concern. It's really difficult. You can say what you want, but when your position coach gets fired, it's really, really, really difficult to hone in and be as focused as you were. When it's like a substitute teacher, so I, I just don't think it's good for the student athletes. I don't think it's good for the programs, and it's obviously not not good for. Uh, not good for the for the coaches but um, you know we'll, we'll see I, you know like everything else uh, there's some shrapnel to it but if they take this early signing day away I think it'll help but I think the most important thing they got to do w- to help these programs that that aren't named Alabama or Ohio State um, you know extend I don't know if they have Schmidt you may know this I, I, I don't I don't follow it that close you know let you sign more than 25 you know, I, I just I think you got to do that because you know you got you have no idea as a coach now how many kids you're going to lose through the portal. So you know, I just wish that they would do something to help the current staffs out, do more with being able to sign more than 25, just in case you have that uh, that late attrition. Rick Kaczynski is with us. A few minutes here, Hale Varsity Radio Tuesdays with Kaz. Thoughts on the portal and early signing day. So Kaz. I look at some of the D-line classes you, you signed and coached up at, at Nebraska and also in Iowa. I want to focus in on Randy Gregory. I know we talk about Randy from time to time. He's having a phenomenal year. That Dallas front is blowing people up. What was the recruiting process like for Randy getting him out of JUCO? Because the reason I ask that is is that you have your, your high school connections and then also you have your, your junior college connections and, of course, Randy made such an impact at Nebraska. Yeah, well, you know, it goes back to when we were at Iowa and you were playing really good defense and had, uh, you know, had some, had some NFL guys. So, you know, that was obviously something that we, that we sold, something we parlayed. You know, Randy was a guy whose father played in the Big Ten, so he was well-versed with, with the Big Ten Conference, uh, you know, the pageantry, the institutions academically, socially, Spiritually, you name it. So you, know, you had a little bit of a, of a background and advantage there. Um, when I was at Iowa, I had recruited recruited Randy, um, and he was just you know he was a guy that we liked. Uh, he took a, he took his test a little bit late, and at that time, uh, just where we were at with numbers, uh, we got a little bit nervous, and we took guys that you know had already taken the test, you know all that other all that other stuff, but obviously knew about Randy, thought he was a phenomenal athlete, committed to Purdue right from Fishers, Indiana, right down the road. Kind of forgot of him, forgot about him. He goes out to uh, 
he goes out to Arizona Western and the coach there, the coach at the time was actually an Illinois guy. Um, he was, he was from Joliet, Illinois. I had recruited a D lineman there uh, that ended up going to uh, Alabama. I think his name was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Jesse Williams. And, uh, you know, he was a guy we offered early at Iowa. We didn't do much, uh, you know, we didn't do much uh, JC recruiting at Iowa, but that was a guy we recruited really hard. We thought, okay, here's a guy can come in right away. Uh, unfortunately, so did Alabama. They thought he could come in right away, and that's what he did. And uh, the pretty girl, um, you know, that's, uh, Alabama got the pretty girl once again. So, so anyway, I knew that coach, and then Randy had gotten hurt, and the coach was really high on him. And, you know, just I, I knew when I got to Nebraska what we needed. Uh, I thought we had some really good players. Like everybody else, you're constantly looking for depth. But when I got here in 12, you had Eric Martin, who really didn't play a whole lot uh, his junior year. Um, played a lot, but, you know, really didn't play that a true defensive end position. Um, and then, you know, we had to kick Cam inside. You had Baker. We had a bunch of older guys. And, um, you know, I thought Eric Martin, not thought, I think when you look at Eric on paper, Eric was an elite athlete, elite pass rusher. And I knew we didn't have necessarily that guy on campus just yet. You know, you had Avery, you had some guys, but, you know, Avery was young. So, boom, here's Randy. Fortunately, man, you know, we had that connection coming back from high school. I uh, had that connection with the, uh, the head coach out at Arizona Western. And then it just all married up. He came out for the, uh, he came out for the uh, Michigan game. And uh, with his with his dad, you know, night game, Memorial Stadium, we beat Michigan. Uh, D line plays pretty well, and there was just that comfort comfort level. And I think as people got to know Randy, and you know Randy's story, especially more after he left Nebraska, a big part of that is is that comfort is that comfort level. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I hope Randy's parents knew that. Hey, you know, me, Bo, myself, and the staff, we're going to hold him accountable. You know, that's, that's what he needed. And, and, you know, Dennis LeBlanc, an academic, Kim Shellpepper, you know, they laid out a plan where we knew we could get Randy on campus where he didn't have to stay out in Yuma, Arizona, a day longer than he needed to. So, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. And, you know, was I expecting Randy Gregory to, to be Randy Gregory in 2013? I, I, I don't think anybody was. And I know statistically he was better in 13. He was a much better football player in 14. That's the same thing that happened with Claiborne, you know, his senior year and his fifth year. I mean, even though statistically numbers didn't show it, uh, but they were much better football players. So, so you know, just that's just kind of how it worked out, you know, had some connections. But also just when you're talking about the Cowboys, Smitty, what makes the Cowboys so good and what's make Randy's playing so well is how well the other guys are playing. And, you know, that's what we had at Iowa, and that's what we were starting to get to at, at Nebraska. I mean, you, you look at, you know, McMullen, Moss, Valentine, um, Collins, Gregory. That's a, I mean, who wouldn't take that D-line, right? I'd take that D-line right now. And, and you know, you just couldn't hone in on one guy. And that's why we always put Randy and, and Malik opposite on passing downs because someone was going to get a one on, you can't double team everybody. And um, so, you know, it just, it just makes you a better coach. And uh, that's why it's just so important to recruit. But, 
But if you think about those guys, you know, the thing about recruiting, you got to go after guys you can get. We all want the Alabama guys. You know, at the time, we all wanted the USC guys, the Texas guys. Guess what? They ain't coming. So you better recruit guys that you can get. And I think that's what we did. And, and what we did, you look at Malik Collins, Kansas City, Vincent Valentine, Illinois, all right, Greg McMullen, Ohio. And look at Greg's offers. Look at the folks that we beat on Greg. You know, Randy Gregory, Fishers, Indiana. Uh, you know, obviously um, Avery. But a- Avery was a guy that, quite frankly, we, we offered him off his athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, athleticism. He was a hoop player. You know, we weren't expecting him to, uh, to do what he did. And uh, so, so, you know, a lot of that is just kind of, not, I wouldn't say luck, um, but I think, I think you got to be smart, efficient about who you're going with. And let me tell you, when you recruit guys closer to your footprint, you know a hell of a lot more about them, right? And, and it's, it's a lot easier to leave when you're that close. You know, when you're, when you're at Southern Cal and you're from Indiana, little bit easier to leave you know if you're from indiana and you're at nebraska that makes a little bit harder makes a little bit harder to leave uh at least it was back then pardon the interruption but i'd like to save you some money i'm brandon vogel managing editor of hail varsity and i wanted to offer listeners of this podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription that means that you for less than twenty dollars can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. But, you know, I think what we did a good job is going after guys um, that we that we knew we could get. I, I wasn't going against Alabama. I know people don't want to hear it. You know, I'm not going to waste my time. I ain't getting this kid. You know, I'm not going against Florida on a Florida kid. We ain't getting them. We ain't getting them. So let's go recruit guys that we can get. Let's go get, let's go get guys that, you know, I – you're not doing a good job. Now, I was fortunate. I had some guys that were really talented that played right away. But you don't want guys to play right away, you know, especially back then. You know, I mean, Schmitty, what, 2012? That's, that's like dog years. That's like 20 years ago, right, it seems like. I mean, the game, the game has changed. Recruiting's changed. Everything's changed so much. But back then, you had time to develop guys, you know. Uh, Malik Collins, probably after the Wyoming game, he would have probably put himself in the transfer portal. If, he, if there was a transfer portal, you know, he thought he should have been playing more and he wasn't ready to play that much. So, you know, Kevin Maurice played more of them. So you have those conversations. You know, you have time to have those conversations. You have time to show a kid how you see him developing. You have time to work with a guy on a day-to-day basis where, unfortunately, I don't think you get that these days with, uh, with the way the system is set up. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Bar City Radio. Kaz, want to get your uh, reaction to Donovan Riola. Uh, did GA work at Notre Dame? Uh, was with the Bears, uh, tutored under uh, some pretty uh, pretty headline-worthy guys uh, at Notre Dame and in Chicago, and uh, he's stepping in to, to run that Nebraska offensive line. Uh, what's your reaction to his hiring? 
Yeah, well, I, I tell you know, I don't know, I, I don't know him, but I know Harry Easton, and that's all I need to know about him. Right, Harry Easton. When you talk about a guy's guy, when you talk about offensive line play, uh, when you talk about those things, that's Harry Easton. Harry Easton is a Joe Moore guy. Right, Harry Easton is a hard nosed blue collar. Go punch him in the mouth. Guys, run through him. I have higher expectations for you than yourself. And you may not like me on the way up there, but you're going to love me when I'm done with you. And that's Harry Heaston. And, you know, Rayola is a Heaston guy. You know, he brought him. Harry was at Notre Dame, brought Rayola there. And then, hey, you're in the NFL. It's, it's not easy getting in the NFL, whether you're a full-time coach, whether you're an offensive assistant, defensive assistant. So I think it's um, you know, I think it's a great hire. But now, no matter <laughs> like everything else, you know, you can't pull off miracles. You can't you can't pull off miracles in in six months either. So we got to keep these things in perspective. Now, can you make guys better? Absolutely. Um, but you know, Schmitty, I got here in December of 2011, and it wasn't until you know spring of 2014 where I was just getting across how I wanted my guys to play. I was just getting across my expectation. I was just starting to recruit the type of guys that I thought we could be successful with and build some depth in the, in the big 10. All right. Uh, so it takes a while. So don't expect miracles. Will these guys be better? Absolutely. Do I think it's a great hire? Absolutely. Rick Kaczynski with us, Sale Bar City Radio. Kaz, we'll get you out on this, and awesome to chat with you, bud. Clemson right now losing their D coordinator and their offensive coordinator, uh, Kandabo Polasabin, and what I mean by that is find the next really good kind of uh, coordinators to help him keep being Clemson. Yeah, I think, you know, Dabo's a system. He's a system guy. Um, you know, Scott's been gone a couple years, who was his offensive coordinator, uh, you know, Brent, uh, you know, I think what you're going to see, it's going to be hard to replace Brent because it, 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 it's going to be a different defense. Brent, he's he he not a guy that shares a whole lot of secrets. His defense is pretty com- complicated, multiple. So it's not like, hey, you got guys on the staff that just can come in and do what Brett does. Um, but here's what Clemson's got, dudes, right? I mean, I can go up there right now, coach their D-line. I mean, I can I could go up there, uh, show up on Saturday, say, okay, here's what you know, you know, don't lose contain, keep your outside arm free, <laughs> you know, stay two by two on your pass rush lane, and uh, you know, yeah, I mean, so I could I could I could go coach Clemson right now with the guys they have. Um, I think offensively, I think what you saw last year, you know, Elliot, even though he was co-coordinator with Scott, um, you know. It, it's a it's a system. So whoever Dabo brings in, um, you know, they're going to have to work with the quarterback. You know, what 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 held I mean, in, in all due respect. I mean, think about it right now. What's what's Clemson? What do they got? Nine wins. That's a bad season for them, right? That's a, that's a pretty good thing. Um, so and it's a lot easier putting your staff together when you play in the ACC. I mean, all due respect to the ACC, it's just not it's not a very strong conference right now. So, you know, Coach Ford used to say it all the time. You know, you roll the ball out, win nine, ten games at Clemson. That's why, you know, you don't you don't want to go to the SEC if you're Clemson. And that's no uh, 
that's not taking shots. That's just the ACC right now. Um, so, you know, when you ask me replace, man, it, it's Clemson. You're talking about a team that's won, you know, national championships, you know, been in the playoffs. Their bad season is, is, is nine wins with a chance to win 10. Clemson's going to be all right. And here's the thing. I'm not so sure that some of these changes wouldn't have taken place anyway. Not on the mm. defensive side, not with Brett, but I, I'm not so sure there wouldn't have been changes made on the offensive side anyway. So it probably made Dabo's life a little bit easier. He probably didn't have to make those tough decisions. But, you know, when you see the talent that they have at receiver, they have creatures. I mean, these dudes don't even – I've seen them in person. When you see what they have at running back and what they're starting to do with Clemson, what hurt Clemson before, what they're starting to do now is recruit offensive linemen. I mean, you know, they got a kid. One of their starters was from Cincinnati. You know, they got kids. They're going up into Pennsylvania. They're going up in New Jersey. And so, you know, they, they're really young. They weren't very good up front this year, but they will be. Um, and they're going to run the football first. And let me tell you, um, the heat isn't on Dabo, but Dabo's putting the heat on Clemson. So, um, you know, whoever comes in, you know, they're getting the keys to a pretty, pretty fancy car. And, you know, Dabo, Dabo, you know, it's, um, you know, people are questioning him. People are doubting him. And uh, I think he, uh, he's going to have the pedal to the metal. And uh, it's, it's going to be real uncomfortable for those guys up there in the offseason. I think Clemson will get right, no problem, no matter who they get in. Rick Kaczynski, Kaz, this was great, man. Great to get caught up. Thanks for your perspective on signing day, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk next week. All right, my man. Appreciate you having me on. Good stuff from Kaz on Hale Varsity Radio a Tuesday with Kaz. Uh, let's check in with John D. Lucas, author uh, and uh, historian, his book on Beano Cook, Haven't They Suffered Enough? John, thanks for the time. Hey, Chris, hey, thank you very much for having me on. I'm glad to uh, glad to talk about Beano Cook, and I uh, hope everybody's excited to, to hear his voice again. You know, whenever I'd call Beano, Beano would, would answer his phone in that Beano tone and, and tell me and say, Lieutenant Colombo, uh, that's that's how we'd answer the phone, and then we get into to talk in Nebraska football. John, take us back, and, and let's touch on on your relationship with Bino, how that started. You know what? I actually uh, you mentioned the phone calls. It's it's that's a perfect place to start because the way he answered the phone was it was Colombo McGarrett from Hawaii Five O, <laughs> and if he was in a really really different mood, you would get uh, Quincy. You know, from the old show with Jack Klugman. Right. <laughs> So uh, no, he was he was very creative, very interesting, very uh, different. And I wrote him a letter when I was in high school, and I told him I wanted to get into sports media. I wanted to be a sports writer, cover college football, maybe get into TV and radio. And you know, he was just sort of the you know the gold standard the way I looked at it. He was just very different in his approach, his material, the things he came up with, the way he worked history into all the you know, the, the big games and all these different arguments and controversies. And sure enough, he wrote me a letter back, <laughs> gave me his home phone number, told me when to call. And we had this memorable conversation and I was about 18 years old and I called him up and I got the very same thing. I got Colombo or McGarrett <laughs> and uh, it just took off from there. We got to be very good friends. He became my mentor and uh, 
it really just it, it snowballed. It went downhill. John D. Lucas, author with us here, uh, historian and his book, Haven't They Suffered Enough? The Life and Times, the wonderful career of, of Beto Cook. I remember as a kid being a huge college football fan and watching him uh, in, in do studio work with Tim Brando. And, and of course, uh, Beto was, was the authority on, on who was going to handle the Heisman. Uh, just You would never miss it this time of year. And, and then as, as I grew up, uh, kind of like you wanting to get into this, uh, I had a chance to somehow, some way get in touch with Bino and, uh, and then just start talking Nebraska football. And then I somewhere I have those interviews on CD and there was a lot off the air that was just it was incredible because he had the best time with Bob Devaney and uh, Don Fox Bryant, Nebraska's SID. He'd always ask how. Uh, how how uh, how Fox was doing? Bob had passed in '96, but uh, Bino's memory was incredible. When it comes to college football, what do you think was most special about about Bino? Was it was it his knowledge? Was it his showmanship, the PR ability, or was it the storytelling, the entertainment side? Chris, I think it's, it's it was all of the above, and uh, you know that's like I said, one of the reasons that I got. Uh, you know, kind of got hooked by him. I got hooked, you know, into the sport because because of him, the way he the way he covered it, the way he talked about it. I mean, it's it's funny. I remember, you know, as a younger individual, you know, it was it was a bowl preview show or something on one of the early college game day shows, and he had a great line. I mean, you're talking Nebraska football. He said that there's, you know, uh, the two things I think about when I think of New Year's Day are. Uh, Nebraska in a major bowl game in Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> you know, nobody else could come up with stuff like that. And nobody else would, would even think about, you know, doing the goofy skits that he did, coming up with those crazy lines, nearly all of which were off the top of his head, even though I kind of helped write some material for him over the years, and then we partnered up on this book. You know, he needed a little help in, in some regards. But to be honest, he was uh, – it was all natural, and it all came to him. And I think – you know, you talk about his knowledge, his showmanship, all that stuff. I think deep down, all that stuff came out because of his love for college football. A few more minutes here. John D. Lucas, uh, author of Haven't They Suffered Enough? The Life and Times of Beano Cook. Nebraska getting a third defensive back. Jaden Gould committing. Nebraska beating out Alabama uh, for him. We'll have more on that, the uh, Jersey four-star. Uh, more on uh, college football uh, and Bino Cook on the way. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. John, where did you, where was the starting point with, with it? Give us a little background on your book and, 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 I know folks can can log on to Amazon or wherever they get their 
their books this holiday season, uh, John D. Lucas, and, and haven't they suffered enough uh, on Bino Cook? But w- with the starting point of this this project to its completion, take me through um, the, the twists and turns of it. And, and I know that there's a different chapter for a lot of different things beyond the history of college football. Bino would always ask me, the over-unders on Nebraska, <laughs> just right. if they if they were going to hit nine wins or if they were going to be above nine wins. I know gambling was something he'd talk about. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, there's there's an entire chapter devoted to sports betting, uh, you know, in the book, and there are different sort of standalone chapters. Mostly it's a career chronology. It mm-hmm. kind of starts, you know, at the very beginning where he got the nickname and it goes through his entire career. And, and you know, his, his sort of first career was in PR. He was the SID at Pitt for many years, for about a decade, and then went to went to work for Rune Arledge at ABC Sports, worked for CBS Sports, spent a year with the Miami Dolphins, uh, actually spent a year with the domestic Peace Corps program called Vista, and then uh, was very fortunate that he got, got put on the air, and I think that's where most of the people in the country know him as, is, you know, this kind of zany college football commentator. And the book, the book covers that from start to finish, and, you know, you asked about a timetable. The timetable for the book starts two years before I was born. In 1975, when uh, when Bino left the Dolphins, he started putting the notes together. You know, for he he knew it. He wanted to write a book one of these days. He thought an autobiography would be would be entertaining and, and educational, and all those things rolled together. But he couldn't he couldn't write. He couldn't sit down in front of a typewriter and get those thoughts across the same way he did on the air. For some reason, it just you know it, it didn't translate. And he worked with a couple other writers over the years to try to put this thing together and it didn't work well like I said we we got to be pretty good friends and I he, he mentored me early on in my career and you know with just getting different jobs and internships and things and when I graduated from Notre Dame uh this is a little bit over 20 years ago uh he sat down one day and said that you know we're going to write this book and can you imagine my shock I don't really have any bylines anywhere any experience but he must have thought that I was able to you know, to capture his voice and, you know, go through all the things that uh, that he knew and wanted to talk about. And so we got started with it and right in the early 2000s and had probably about a little bit over half of it finished at the time he died. But I had all these materials saved and he gave me all of his files and all the notes he had put together in the 70s and 80s. And, and I did a lot of research for him. And, and then thankfully, a lot of guys, uh, people in sports and the media, like Ernie Accorsi, Tim Brando, uh, a bunch of guys like that were able to help translate some things for me, and I was able to finally finally finish it this year. I promised him that I would do it, and I, I fulfilled my promise. Took took me nine years since October of 2012, but I, I, I worked it out. So hopefully he knows about it and he's happy. The uh, ultimate book here for football fans and, and Bino Cook, uh, one of my favorites ever, uh, having a chance to talk with him for about a five-year span and ESPN Radio was so good about getting in touch uh, with him, and uh, it was just uh, it was just fun. And and he loved uh, with he loved following Nebraska football, and uh, Nebraska's trying to to, to bounce back. Uh, signing day is tomorrow. I know Bino was uh, locked in with Notre Dame. He was big Army Navy, uh, specifically the historical part of of that matchup that series. Is there a game or a series that that Bino had more kind of near and dear to his heart. Is is there a is, was it in Nebraska Oklahoma? Was it a was it in Ohio State Michigan? Was there was there one of those rivalries that he 
kind of li- liked a little bit better than others? You know what? To be to be honest, Chris, we we would we go through all this in a book, and it's you know to give you a little bit of uh, uh, to whet your appetite and readers uh, their appetites. You know, we go through what his his feelings were in terms of the greatest rivalries, the greatest series, games that should be played now that aren't played, things like that. Uh, you know, a lot of old time series before television, before you know, probably both of our times. And he also goes through and mentions, you know, the, the, his favorite games of all time. What do you think the greatest games of the centuries were? Coaches, players, things like that. And it's interesting because, uh, I mean, I'll spill the beans with this one right off the bat. He said that he, he completely agrees with, with Dave Kindred uh, that the 71 Nebraska-Oklahoma game was, they can quit now. They have played the perfect game. He said that that's the greatest game of all time. And, uh, you know, he, he, he goes into pretty much – you know, some decent detail in terms of backgrounds for all these other games that he had he'd attended. But I think that uh, that's definitely his – he thinks it's the greatest game. He has a couple other feelings on different rivalries and things like that. But it's very interesting. Even though he worked at ABC Sports at that time, he was there from 66 to 74. He obviously mm-hmm. – he set up the Texas-Arkansas game in 69 and went to Notre Dame-Michigan State in 66, the Notre Dame-Alabama Sugar Bowl in 73 – but he didn't attend the 71 Nebraska-Oklahoma game. And he uh, went home with his parents to have uh, Thanksgiving because his, his father wasn't doing too well health-wise. And I always asked him if he regretted not, you know, being able to say he was at the greatest college football game ever played. And, and he said no. He said because you only have so many opportunities to spend, you know, to spend time with your family. And I think that's, that's a big part of the way Bino Cook was. He was a very, very, very – kind, generous individual, and I think there was a, an aspect to his personality that not a lot of people, you know, understood. He, he lived and lived and died and breathed and slept football, but, uh, you know, he had, a, he had kind of a family aspect and a, you know, heart of gold as well. Johnny Lucas with us, historian, author, uh, writer, filmmaker, uh, and uh, can follow him on Twitter at John D. Lucas on uh, social media is where you find him, Amazon, different spots where you uh, can pick up a great college football book this holiday season. Bino Cook, haven't they suffered enough? And uh, John, real quick, where, where did that, I remember it being said by Bino, where haven't they suffered enough, but I'm not quite sure the context of it. That That's arguably his famous line. It was uh, It was uttered in February 1981, at the NBA All-Star Game, uh, I think at the Richfield Coliseum uh, in Ohio. And it was announced that morning that uh, Bowie Kuhn, you know, the commissioner of baseball, had decided to award lifetime passes to all the returning Iran hostages. And Bino Cook famously hated baseball. And as soon as he heard that, some writer asked him what he thought about MLB's decision, and he just blurted out, haven't they suffered enough? <laughs> Typical, you know, Bino humor. The way he thought it, you know, it intertwined his his sense of humor with his, you know, pathological hatred of baseball, and it picked up and it went across the country. And I think that was one of the first things that that got Bino, uh, uh, you know, some some national notoriety. Previously to that point, he had been known as, as a politician who came up with the, or not, you know, a publicist that came up with these great one-liners. Mm-hmm. And he had this, you know, this way about him that people, like you, you mentioned the Fox, uh, you know, all these other SIDs, people that worked in, you know, different uh, 
areas and departments in college sports and even in pro sports, mostly in the media, people knew him really well. But that line kind of, you know, really put him in the public eye. John, it'd be cool to have a 30 for 30 on Bino. I, I, I agree. I, I, they did do one on Jimmy the Greek a few years ago, and I think yeah. that this would this would be a great one too. Because you know what, Chris, if you think about it, and we write about this, you know, in the book, uh, Bino was the only person, if you you know, outside of Howard Cosell and probably the Greek, that was put on the air that didn't have any. He didn't have any educational media experience. In other words, he didn't go to school to be on radio, TV, or to be a sports writer. Uh, you know, he, he, he didn't go into the business thinking this is what he wanted to do. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. So in other words, he never, you know, he never fed coffee at some station out in the middle of nowhere and kind of interned his way and worked his way up. He, he was one of those really outside the system individuals and there's only a small handful of, of these guys out there that, that pulled this off but i think it you know it, it it was interesting his his different background provided him the opportunity to you know to say the different things that he wanted to say and i think that's what kind of endeared him to the public he was he was first and foremost a fan he was kind of like a guy at the local bar that you know that knew all the trivia knew all the history and was obviously opinionated and came up with some, you know, some outrageous stuff came out of his mouth. So it it worked out. John, uh, congrats on this work. Can't wait to to read a copy, and uh, for sure uh, get back in touch with you. Thanks for your work on this, and thanks for remembering Bino. This was outstanding. Now, hey, Chris, thank you very very much for having me on. I hope that uh, you know people enjoy this, and I know that. Uh, you know, folks out in, in your part of the world there, I know Nebraska fans are like this because there's a lot of, there's a, you know, there's Devaney, there's Fox Bryant, you know, Lyle Bremser. He goes through a lot of familiar names, and there's some great stories that, you know, Husker fans probably never have heard of before. So it's a, you know, a good time to, to hear Bino's voice again and, and kind of pick up on some of these things. So hope everyone enjoys it, and I really appreciate you having me on to talk about it. John, you take care. You too. Bye-bye. It's a good book, man. If you're a college football fan, John uh, spent a lot of time with Beto and that uh, extended interview. But man, good to good to hear from him. And I have a sneaking suspicion Devaney and 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 Beto. Well, I know this because Beto asked if the Tam O'Shanner was still around. Last time I talked to him about ten, twelve years ago, is the is the Tam still around? Yeah, but, you know, it's a good time, brother. So Nebraska loading up. Jaden Gould uh, is in from Jersey. That's Ramir Johnson's classmate or teammate, 6'2", 190-pounder, four-star defensive back. thing that um, is, is impressive about Jaden 
is not only his his speed, but his physicality. And he likes to uh, lay the lumber. And uh, if we're talking Gould, we're talking probably safety more so than corner. And he think of the body types. Think of Miles Farmer. All right. Think of Deontay Williams. Think of those body types that have been really uh, active at, at takeaways for the Nebraska defense the last couple of years. And uh, it's it's a similar body type here. And right now, um, you have that that type of comp, that type of comparison. Gould was going to go to USC, and then the coaching dominoes fell. Alabama was in the running, as was Penn State. And, and Penn State's a hell of a lot closer to Roselle, New Jersey, than, than Lincoln is, but good on Coach Fisher. So we will have a full-blown, exciting, incredible signing day for you tomorrow. As uh, some of the recruits that have signed will join us, we'll hear from Greg Smith and get you ready for the early signing day session yet again with Hale Varsity tomorrow. Take care. A Huda Media Production.